0: Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast.
1: Uh, This week we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 23, We'll Always Have Paris.
0: It's almost here Paul the end of season 1 is in sight. We are I get
1: to we're there. See it. I mean <laughs> uh,
0: you know it's it's kind of been a, a rough march but I've really enjoyed talking about these episodes cuz the the good ones the bad ones I think we've had some good discussions uh, across the board. And someone who has already joined us uh, for a discussion, uh, maybe a discussion or two, but Dean uh, is making his return to the podcast. Dean, thanks
1: for uh, stopping by.
2: Hey, anytime I can beam in.
1: <laughs> That's it's just a delight. I was about the cleanest <laughs> pull you could have got on that.
0: <laughs> so the, the one thing that we immediately pointed out about this episode, I think everybody was kind of in agreement. We, we were really burning through some gold uh, in the bonus tracks uh, of this podcast. But but the thing about We'll Always Have Paris is I don't think any of us have really detailed notes about this episode. It's, uh, I guess, thin is what we want to say. I mean, this episode's kind of light.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll give it that. I'll give it that. I feel like it shouldn't be, but so, it, it ends up being very thin yeah
0: well elaborate on that so so why do you why do you feel that it shouldn't be thin and why do you think that that we all kinda came away from that going like there's not much there
2: well i think i think there's two things going on both the the kind of the a and the b story which are both really wrapped up in the same thing you know you have the a story of there's this anomaly going on that they have to fix and the b story going on of picard's long-lost love has just returned to him uh, and those are both really rich things the uh, the long-lost love he's we don't know anything about his background this far to this point really in um, in Star Trek right we haven't we haven't really gone back and learned much about his history uh, how he became you know like a Starfleet captain or whatever and so there was there could have been a lot there that they could have played with and i felt like uh they just they left so much unsaid within the episode um so that the characters might have known what was going on between them but i don't think we really got a good idea of what was going on and i don't think there was anything that was really you know brought up or resolved yeah uh yeah. Through through the episode, they were just kind of like, "Hey, we um, we once had a thing. Now we don't. Now we'll always have Paris." Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of um, what's that thing they use in stories? Uh, oh, conflict. <laughs> <laughs> it would have
0: been nice to see literally any kind of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Any,
2: anything that they would have had to. Oh, Overcome because I felt like I felt like they were just like the conflict was. Well, we're both very proper adults, and uh, we will remain <laughs> proper adults about this. And uh, and now we've moved on. I just thought there was there's so much there to unpack that they left in the box. And then even the uh, the other storyline which is about this time like looping itself. Um, I've, I felt like we didn't get a chance to fully explore that. I thought it was a really interesting idea, especially when they were essentially communicating with themselves from like two seconds ago.
1: Yeah. Which is yeah. A cool. Yeah, a, a, and part of it is that I'm not sure that it is an A and a B plot. I think they're potentially both A plots. Um, sure. Because uh, I, well, when you said there's an A and a B, I was really interested to see which one you thought was the A. Um, and I'm not sure which one I think is the A, because they do take up about half the time, and they kind of feel about the same level of importance.
0: Well, and, and I that's a good observation, and I do want to talk about that, because I think, Dean, in your observation, I think you did place them correctly. But I think because this episode is written so strangely, like, the weight is given, like to both of them like they have equal emphasis on both and i think while interesting the picard backstory clearly should have taken a back seat um but it takes up so darn much of oh. this episode
1: um see i would have said the opposite i i was with you like halfway through that sentence the picard really? stuff maybe should have just been the full episode
2: eh. but maybe
1: that's that's the problem that i think i think it all depends story. on which they which, both which... had an episode yeah
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think it depends on which way they write it, right? If they if they really pack it well um, with this sort of you know forlorn you know un unre- not unrequited but uh, almost jilting um, uh, that they have to like come to terms with after fifteen years, that could be really interesting. And on the other hand, if they pack the uh, this sort of uh, time looping thing with more incidents and then uh trying to figure out how they're how they're happening uh and why they're happening and maybe things go wrong because of them. Um again, nothing really went wrong because of the time looping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they just talked to each other. Mm-hmm. You know? They just
1: repeated. They were this, like, mean, oh, this was their first temporal anomaly, happened. right? Even though I mean it was kind of self made,
0: but well, uh I think yeah, I think it was because this um yeah I mean we do a lot of time travel temporal anomalies temporal disruptions in Trek but I think this is the first one they've done in the next yeah. generation and, and Dean I'm really glad you brought that up that that is an excellent point The the you basically summarized the entire problem with this episode I think by basically saying you know conflict there should be some because there <laughs> there literally is no conflict in, in the very personal stuff
1: whoa, 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 with Picard um, There whoa. is conflict with they fence at the beginning
2: yeah yeah (laughs) right can can we just talk about that for a second because as i was watching this episode i was going you're you're a lieutenant and you have the job you're not a senior officer by the way otherwise we would know him um yep and you have the job of having to fence the captain who probably only knows your name
1: because you are <laughs>
2: you are his fencing partner that is terrifying
1: yeah well and, and you asked a good question before we started uh, Dean uh, the question of if if this was good fencing or not um and in short it's it's not it's not good fencing <laughs> I,
0: it's almost I, like I it's, wondered, it's, I just, it's budget choreography or something
1: well not to <laughs> not not to disparage the theater um but it, it's it's theater. Fencing—it's—it's it's big swings where it's fencing is um, thrusts.
0: It's yeah, y- you know, so, you know what I want to know is—is is this was this fencing scene put in there at um, maybe Patrick Stewart's request? I mean, he's—he's a, well, he's a stage actor with, yeah. uh, you know. And if
1: you were watching a Shakespearean play or any sort of play of that sort where people had swords, this is exactly how they would do this with swords. Right. Absolutely, it's, it's so really fighting, flashy. not fencing, which is a, a, a very different form of sword play than sword fighting um, because (laughs) you aren't supposed to slap the blades around right that's not not the point necessarily Um, well
2: and I even questioned their stances because I I took I took a semester of fencing uh, in college, um, because I was a theater major and, uh, and I, I had to hold a sword in one show and I did not know how to do it. So (laughs) everyone said, you should take some fencing classes. (laughs) Um, uh, and the, uh, their weight distribution on their stances was off to me. And that's the first thing that, that, uh, that sort of occur, uh, occurred in my mind. And then beyond that, like I took so little of it, I, I had no idea whether it was any good, but you make a really good point. It is a lot about thrusting and not so much about swinging around. Yeah, and that's uh, not
1: that's not good showmanship, right? <laughs> it doesn't, it, it, there's a lot of standing around and sizing up the time to strike in fencing, which is not good yeah. for um, the screen, which makes the, sense, right? The other or, thing or that's...
2: The other thing that struck me about it was that he takes that towel with him oh, to the yeah, bridge, yeah, yeah. right? And then uh, he's got like all this—it's—it's it's actory stuff. He's just being a good actor. He's—he's doing—he's doing business with the things that are around him, right? So he's like slapping it on his <laughs> leg, yep. and he's—he's uh, he's kind of patting it as he's—he's he's thinking through things. And uh, and I watched this scene a couple of times, uh, and. The thing that sticks out to me about it aside from the fact that it's really good like actor stuff he's like he's considering things from both a captain's angle and like his personal angle but um the foley on this just seems <laughs> yep. really like a bit much yeah do you guys notice yeah. that yeah. yeah
0: as yeah as someone who uh works with audio both professionally and uh well here however i handle audio here uh <laughs> um I it so you can't jump- handle
1: loud loud slapping sounds of a towel. <laughs> which, I, which I had a towel with to, and to me it sounded like it, it sounded like
0: um maybe that wasn't planned or maybe it wasn't structured and the way that they had mic'd that scene, because I'm sure it's an overhead boom primarily. Um, and you know maybe some some off to the side shotgun mics or something, but it just sounded like it picked up way too much of that towel on accident because it's really heavy there. like when he hits his thought, leg, yeah. it sounds like he's hitting he's like he's like slapping a floor with wrestling yeah. mats, like just like <laughs> they might have had
1: the, they might have had a mic in the towel <laughs> that towel mic <laughs> you know that that. That rare usage of one of those but
0: yeah it's uh, it was somebody's crazy idea um, and they're like Listen.
1: It, does, it raises another question though about like the towel comes with him out of there it's not a hologram but then he goes back and like checks on the sword and stuff um, and it's oh, I think that's not a hologram clear I think it's a yeah gym. it's pretty clear that it's like not a hologram that it's like a fencing bay it's like, why don't you just fence on the holodeck, guys? Like, do you really need a fencing bay on this ship? Well, like, I think... how many people are going in there and so, fencing? This is important. The yes. holodeck
2: is well established by this point. Yes, yeah, I'd say medium established, but yes. Okay, so so since we're on the topic of holodeck, jumping toward the end of the episode, uh, what what's the what's the lady name? Mm. Her name? No, I don't. Uh, uh, his, his Casablanca. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Janice is her name. Janice. Janice. Yeah. Okay. So Janice shows up at the holodeck. Apparently, doesn't know what a holodeck
1: is. Yeah. That was I. I wrote down. Has she never seen a holodeck? Right. Well,
0: okay. But hold on. To be fair, because um, if we're gonna pick nits, uh, I can I can pick I, some nits too. I'll play devil's <laughs> advocate. <you> should. <laughs> Um, they kind of played it off in in the pilot. I mean, uh, Riker is you know a commander in Starfleet and has some pretty like pretty significant tour of duty like experience, and he had never seen a holodeck before he got to the Enterprise. And okay. Paul and Janice Mannheim have been isolated in their lab for what was it twenty years something like years. fifteen years. We to yeah. Okay, 50 or 50? Because
1: heard fifty because I 15. 5-0, yeah. and that was confusing me a lot while watching this. No,
0: one 5 15. Okay, years.
1: that caused a lot of problems in my notes. So I'll yes. just cross these things out. <laughs> I have a lot less than it to nitpick about now.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Paul's just like crossing, crossing, crossing. So well, I, mean, I
2: think that's important. I mean, that's that's just enunciation, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why you <laughs> should say sixteen, right? It's, it's just—it's very clear. It's that like. Way. Put like zeros and L's in things that you have to tell people about, like in a password or something, you know?
0: But also to bring this thing full circle, um, maybe if they'd recorded the audio a little bit better, we'd know 15 uh, from 50.
1: Huh? Uh, huh? Uh. huh? <laughs> yeah, that foolish guy who dropped that 15 sound bite in there. Just. <laughs>
0: He was in charge of uh, that scene and the scene with the towel, and he was never heard from again. They just let him go right after this episode.
1: So anyway, the
2: we <laughs> the there is apparently a fencing studio
1: within the Enterprise.
0: I think it's the, in the gym, addition. right? Like they just okay. They they talk well,
1: about how there's a gym on the ship. Yeah, but I mean, you couldn't play basketball in it, right? <laughs> You're assuming you that you're assuming you play that tennis net. Right? Yeah, you're
0: assuming that basketball and tennis are still popular sports in the twenty fourth century.
1: I mean well, baseball. Know,
2: you couldn't play uh, baseball. Yeah, baseball not popular. Uh, it's kind of an antiquated sport that uh, Captain Cisco likes, just yep. to be clear. Yep. Um okay. the uh <sighs> what, what's the racquetball game
1: that they play all the time? Oh uh, uh, Yeah uh, uh, Please see Squares?
2: No, oh, it's no, a different no, 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 no. one. Oh, no. That's one the they other. only talk about. You never really see that one played. Right,
1: the one that Riker plays. Um what yeah. is that one? Um, I don't I can't remember. I
0: don't either. And they actually um they play that one a couple of times because it also makes its way into I think there's Star a big Trek DS9 Voyager, episode. And there's a big DS9 episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wonder what happens if I Google space racketball?
0: I mean there's a there's an entry on memory alpha for Racketball. Um racquetball really? is a game of 2 to 4 players played in a four walled court using single handled rackets. They show but they the have enterprise like weird D. angle things. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. They but they show the racquetball court on deep space 9. They show the racquetball court on on the enterprise. I think it's just space racquetball.
2: Interesting. It's uh it's right.
0: it's hmm. it's overclocked racquetball. It's uh yeah. the racquetball of the future, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. Wow. Um, All right. Here's yeah, the thing. I mean, Here, we'll here's here's, here's the thing. Sure, but... We've we've spent an indeterminate number of minutes talking about a four-minute scene of this episode, and I think most of our notes are real thin on the last uh, you know forty <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> I, I mean, I think right now this is probably the most damning thing we can say uh, about the episode. It's here's the thing. I want to I want to bring up. Do you guys? I mean, in in thinking about this episode. Um, is it just that it's too dull or is it just because I I think it's it's just um, I'll call it inoffensive like the episode is is perfectly passable it's just not remarkable I think
1: there's no stakes right so the time problems we'll see worse time problems later in the series that get pretty bad and have consequences right Uh, and This just feels like, oh well, you might see each other or, you know, time's gonna loop a little bit. But it doesn't feel like it has the level of stakes that we'll get later. And maybe because it's the first, right? And we haven't seen um what time anomalies can do, temporal anomalies. So that later, the second they run into something like this, it's like, Whoa, a temporal anomaly. Like shut everything down we gotta figure this out but now it's just kind of like oh uh, time's doing weird stuff time keeps on slipping and <laughs> that's not uh, <laughs> it's not kudos enough with this in the, the series so
0: you're gonna have
1: to pay for that <laughs> to it. be fair I was making a Futurama reference not a uh <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Well, fair enough.
1: Uh, wait, much better episode about time slipping. <laughs> we, uh, um, it, it's the same with Picard. You don't feel like he has stakes, right? It, right? It's it's a foregone conclusion that he has given up on this relationship, and whatever happened back then, they'll always have Paris. But that's it. Yeah.
2: Paul it, said something while he sense.
1: was testing his mic
2: before we started. Uh, that was something like, oh, "This is do This is me, Paul, and this is a weird episode of Star <laughs> I, Trek." i see that frequently yeah and uh i think the thing that's 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 strange about this one is that it's not weird it's like they're yeah. it's so normal everything is so normal this is just like their boring life yeah exactly
0: well they've somehow managed to make the fantastical tame um because I think I, I think you're right. I want to piggyback on something you brought up and just tweak it a little bit, uh, Paul. It's not that there are no stakes, but it's like everything else that they put into season one where it's supposed to be big and impressive and meaningful. Um, they just don't do a good job of like selling the stakes because there's there's literally like a throwaway line that Picard has after they talk to uh, the Paul in this episode, Paul Mannheim, um, where they kind of put it together and and they say, you know, oh, well, we have to stop it or the other dimensions will intrude on ours and, you know, space-time will not function or so. I I don't know. Basically, it'll destroy the universe.
1: Well, and even at the end, it's like, they they fix everything and go to great lengths to fix fix everything and then he's like well i'm gonna keep doing what i was doing and everybody's kind of like maybe you shouldn't it was dangerous <laughs> and He's like no i want to and then they're like oh fine okay whatever seems going. yep what does picard, picard say
2: he says he says like uh i think she says there. we're going back to the uh we're going back to the planet or wherever it is uh back to the lab and he says yes of course you are
1: <laughs> <laughs> well obviously
0: it's almost like he looks down at his wrist at the not there watch and goes well it is time for the episode to be done so sure mm-hmm.
1: You mm-hmm. Yep. that's all wrapped up in a pretty little <laughs> gotta package gotta be
2: traveling on <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and I think that's the problem with this episode is that um, you don't feel the stakes they don't do a great job of selling this idea because I did. I did note this that the episode wasn't you know, I didn't have a bad time watching it. And in fact, I'd probably watch it again if it were just on in the background. But it's never an episode that I would just go seek. You know, it's never one that I'd be like, sure, let's watch. We'll always have Paris. Like, pfft, no. Um, and, I, and I think it's because this idea is, is interesting. Uh, it's compelling, but it's not done very well. And in fact, there are some episodes that I think do this exact same idea, but with more... Uh, far greater consequences, including, and I'll throw out two. Uh, one called cause and effect, which has mm-hmm, to do with mm-hmm. a, a a actual time loop phenomenon. Um, but that one is interesting for a couple of reasons, and we'll we'll talk about that. But if you want to Google it and get a preview or even watch it, uh, we'll get there. Also features uh, Kelsey Grammer showing up. So hey, how about that? But even mm-hmm. the uh, even the Star Trek series finale, the very last episode, mm-hmm, deals with a mm-hmm. temporal anomaly. But and and almost literally the exact same stakes right i mean it's a different spin on the same temporal anomaly um and it's a different manifestation of it but wow. it, it does a great job of laying out like past present future uh all the different timelines how they intersect what's at stake um and granted yeah, they you get- can
2: name you can name tens of episodes throughout trek that deal yes. with this Yes, even both of the uh, both of the first two next generation movies deal with this. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, literally. Yep. Okay, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Um, "Time's Arrow," a two-parter with uh, Data going back to the old west and Samuel Clemens. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's time anomalies all up in that. Uh, you know, alternate.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, time time anomalies are not that anomalous in Star Trek. Maybe is a way, <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. But but this one still just feels like. Maybe they don't know that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I feel like maybe th- in the writers.
0: I, I feel like there were there were only a couple of, of like time uh episodes in the original series. Um it wasn't as common as it kind of winds up being yeah. in Star Trek yep. The Next Generation.
1: Um still kind I mean, of a big deal on the Edge of Forever, one of yeah. the best episodes of the original series. Correct. Right. Uh, yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. But this one just feels like um yeah i think i think yeah it's it's just another tuesday on the enterprise right like it's just (laughs) if you wanted to have a dear diary sampling of like okay what do people on the enterprise do you've got you know picard being uh you know wrestling with the burden of command and and reconciling who he is and and what his mission is you've got riker being kind of worthless which is what he's been most of season one You've got uh, Deanna Troy doing the worst armchair psychology ever when she's like, Feelings that you don't confront
1: can (laughs) cause problems later. And there's, um, yeah. (laughs) She comes back later. She comes back later with um, Beverly, and there's another. Point where it's like, oh wow, they could be touching on this Beverly Picard thing.
0: I want to talk about that uh, in a little bit. I want to talk about that. Come
1: back to that.
2: (laughs) Do you want to talk about Deanna Troy's role right now, though?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. So apparently, in the twenty fourth century, to uh, being a counselor means that you tell your patient that uh, that any feeling that they have could compromise their command. And then on top of that you tell them that they have to so they have to somehow disregard that feeling but they also have to confront it. Yeah. She says that in the same speech that he <laughs> that he needs to like needs to make sure that that uh, that he maintains objectivity but also confronts his feelings for this person. Yeah. How do I do them both? Diana, how do I yeah. do it? Yeah. On top Go to of the that. Hall-up. On <laughs> right. top of that, like He's allowed to just have feelings, right? Should be, you would think. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty insulting of her to say, "Hey, look, you have some sort of weird feeling that I can't put a finger on. um, So you need to you need to really consider whether you should command this mission." You know, like he's got a few years on her in command. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and and that's a good question. Of if this was your first time watching it, you might come away with the idea that he's not allowed to have feelings that right that starship captains are not allowed to, um, basically get, uh, romantically entangled. That might be the thing you come away with yeah. from this. Why episode. don't they just yeah.
2: make data the captain in that case? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
2: data does some cool stuff
1: in this episode. I don't he know does. how much we'll jump around, but, um, we could keep talking about Troy. <laughs>
0: well, we could keep talking about Troy, but man, Troy. Um, no, you're, you're you're right. I mean, she that that basically covers it. She's kind of, um, you know, she's not really a psychologist. She is kind of a pop psychologist, where like in the '80s, that probably sounded like psychology to most people. You know, where they were just like, yeah, feelings. I guess they can mess you up. Got it. Thanks. It's, you know,
1: it's sort of the same mindset of well, fencing. If we were to actually be fencing, it would be kind of boring on screen. Like for her to give an actual deep thought out psychiatric or psychological evaluation of Picard in this situation, like it would probably be pretty boring yeah. and they're putting this on screen. So I think the point be- is
2: though that the, she's just exposition, right? That's all, that's her entire function. Right. And, uh, and if this were, if this were, you know, more real, I guess we can say, or if it was just better written, he could have just like sort of, sat in those feelings for a little while and struggled with them until uh, until we actually see what it is until they make a reveal of what it is that's causing these feelings you yeah. don't have to like he was already kind of squirrely on the on the bridge yeah yeah
0: he should have there should have been some scene where he's clearly affected. By it outside of his norms rather than just like having something on his mind, which I think was the only thing that really came across. And, and I wonder mm. if that scene was written to try to underscore, you know, oh, Deanna Troy has incredible intuition because of her beta zoid powers, you know, because she did say, I sense, right? Like that's how she right. started the conversation. But it's still dumb, you know, it's still kind of, and it's <laughs> still very much an overreach um, on, on her behalf, I think, for her to just be like, Oh, he's going through some stuff. Let me tell him that he needs to do these things with his feelings. Like, I don't think a good counselor does that. Uh, I think, I think a good counselor, especially someone who feels emotions from people all the freaking time, uh, like she would, would be used to stuff like that. So and so has unresolved whatever. Like, people drag baggage around all over the place, and I don't care if it is the twenty fourth century and they're just supposed to be perfect people. Um, she should be used to feeling somebody with unrequited or or even unresolved, you know, romantic conflict. Like that's kind of run of the mill. Um yeah,
2: it's kind of uh, it's kind of part of her too. It's like right. her her and Riker's whole whole arc uh throughout the the entirety of uh of this show and the movies is that they have this will they won't they sort of thing. Yep. So yep. Okay. uh yeah, weird. Yeah. Very strange. Um
0: I I mean She's a worthless character. To, to contrast that with uh, something that does work Paul I know you were kind of headed down this road uh, I do think this is the second episode actually in a row uh, where we get some good data stuff here Yeah. Um, especially when they send him uh, I thought the scene with him and Picard when Picard oh, yeah. talks to him about sending an away team of one I thought that was really kind of a neat scene the way that it was mm-hmm. framed
1: well um, it was um, it gave Data a good chance to. Boy, I don't even know how to word it, but but he basically says like, you know, I'm expendable, like, and humans aren't. And Picard says, no, no, quite the opposite. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's nice, right? It's nice to get that like, no, I'm sending you because you have skills here that that realistically, you're you're going to be better than anyone else. Uh, and, and sending he, anyone else w- is dangerous.
0: And he basically he not only I mean it was such a it was such a validation I think for data from Captain Picard because it's like listen not only are you the most qualified for this I'm concerned that other people will slow you down. You yeah. know? I mean it's basically like, I, I- <laughs>
1: It's, it's one of those where, like, I should send you on away missions alone all the time, but, you know, everybody <laughs> else would get mad.
0: <laughs> right, right. The, everyone else is talking. They're starting to get super jealous, so we'll let them go this time. But, uh, but yeah.
2: I think it's a nice demonstration of uh, just how in control uh, the captain is, Deanna. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> touche. I believe in fencing. That's known as a touch. Uh, well done. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean he he it makes that Deanna scene so much more awkward because I feel like throughout the course of the episode he does a good job of carrying it, and you know clearly he's working through it, but that's the human condition. Um, and I feel like a lot of that stuff is actually the stuff that works pretty well um, because because Patrick Stewart is such a good actor you can see him portraying that or you can see that undertone through even his basic interactions with other characters but it's just below the surface and he keeps it in check i mean even his conversation with Paul Mannheim when he's lucid um i thought that scene between the two of them was kind of nice where where you know Mannheim acknowledges like who he is and and he's but he's very concerned about himself um, and he's concerned about his wife, you know, and, and he's like, listen, if I don't make it, uh, just make sure she's okay. You know, like,
1: cause, well, and it has that whole air, um, of the kind of casual sexism that we've been seeing this whole season here and there, yes. here, maybe here, here, maybe kind of lighter than we've seen in the past, but still throughout. <laughs> and and that whole discussion of like, you know, Hey. I kinda of get the feeling you like her, so you know, here's my blessings to you know, to marry her or whatever if I die, or however that's gonna play out. Yeah, and yeah. even even in the first time he contacts them, and maybe maybe this is part of this episode too, that it's all kind of just a weak episode, but um it's kind of weak casual sexism in that you know, he's talking to her, and it's like, "Hey, do you know how to shut this thing down?" Like, maybe you don't. And there's that undertone of like, "Well, obviously you don't. You're a woman." You mean, yeah? When a right?
0: man explains to her how to drop yeah, the force it's like, field, wow, yeah, wow,
1: great. Yeah, just <laughs> <it's> like you <laughs> couldn't be the scientist, obviously. Uh, and like, oh, yeah. come on, Star Trek, come on. Well, and the <laughs> thing,
0: seeing... yeah. Sorry, I, I was just going to say the thing about Janice Manheim uh, throughout this entire episode is. For someone who is apparently the love of Picard's life and the love of this brilliant scientist's life, she has incredibly little going on for herself, um, right? I mean, she just she's just yeah. along for the ride, you know. She's she just, could also be a scientist. Right, that would not be odd here.
2: Well, it no, would no, be, it would be entirely appropriate.
0: It would be yeah, way yeah. less odd, exactly, because exactly. there's there's nothing for her to do in this episode yep. other
1: than and to be. be you know this. If she was talking to people and was like, "Hey, no, well, maybe it's this thing," or she has a conversation with data about like, "Well, time does this," or these are some of the things we've found. Yeah, right. She could fill in a lot of those gaps instead of just being. Well, what she'd
2: been doing for fifteen years while they've been, <laughs> you know, sort of out uh, out on the edges of space.
0: It's. Yeah. uh that's um, ask
1: a uh, ask a male writer in the eighties. Sudoku and, uh,
0: puzzles or yeah. um, you know yeah exactly a par- because... maybe, she's,
1: maybe she's a really good fencer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the tragedy would be she's in her protected little room fencing with no one. Uh, I, yeah I, yeah.
1: Even, yeah even that where it's like oh well when the dangerous experiments go on go in your protected room. <laughs> <laughs> and have you experiencing any time danger
0: oh god that's so bad uh, yeah yeah,
1: it's yeah just...
2: you know what I, what they did with her character though that i did really like <laughs> was they made her even though they didn't give her like you know the book smarts of uh of being able to describe what was going on with the time stuff um or even lowering a stupid force field um was they they gave her intelligence like when when she and Picard have that scene together uh where she asks him what happened fifteen years ago um th- there's a there's that fun thing of she says you know tell me a lie, you know make something up yeah and then she and then she confronts it you know it's sort of this um uh i don't know it's a playful thing and it and you could see why he would like her,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true. There, um, there, there are some elements of her personality. I feel like even though she had little to no reason to actually be there from a practical standpoint, she did a good job of, I guess, keeping up. Or, yeah. you know, as, as someone who's there as a layperson, she was able to basically bring them into it. But yeah, I think the episode could have been much more interesting if she had been a peer of of paul yeah, manheim yep, yep, you know yep. i mean then that would have that would have shored up all of the problems um well not all of them but at least it would have moved the plot along a lot better rather than they're just like yeah well i don't know what he was doing i guess we'll just wait for him to wake up maybe you know i mean it's just
1: well and and, and it would give reason for her to be just as, as obsessed about the work not just like and especially at the end right where he's like nope i want to keep doing it and you like well i guess you're the man like exactly. that's what it comes off as Literally. at the end. And yeah. it, it like if she was just as obsessed and was like, Well well it's dangerous, but yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we're so the,
0: close. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we we are so close, you're right. That's a whole different story than, well, you know, I <laughs> got nowhere else to be.
0: Yeah. Yep, exactly.
2: Yeah. So So um, with her go- relationship with Picard. Yeah. It, the, the title of the episode and the fact that they're that they're talking about Paris as the time that they spent together is a reference to Casablanca, mm-hmm. where in uh, Humphrey Bogart is having an affair, uh, even though they don't know that it's an affair uh, with uh, Ingrid Bergman. So, I, was she married at the time that they were? It's a good question. You know, going to meet. Uh, Well, that is a
0: good question. I didn't think about that, but um, Picard does make a point to say that he knows Paul Mannheim because he was a professor at the university in Paris, presumably at the same time he was there, presumably at the same time that he was seeing... um, you know yeah uh seeing Janice so maybe yeah that that is a good point there there's a lot of there's a lot in this episode and I, uh, I'll bring this up here before we start to to wrap um and get to like bests and worsts um I think part of the reason for this episode being the way it is is um this episode was affected by the writer's guild strike which started in 88 Um, This episode aired in May of 1988 the writers guild strike happened right around the same time and The filming of this episode had to be shut down while the show's ending was being written Um, So I feel like um, it's also the reason why when we get to season 2 which is only a few episodes away Season 2 is the only Star Trek the next generation uh, season that is 22 episodes all the rest of them are 26 Mm -hmm. Um, This is all again fallout from uh, from the writer strike so it, I couldn't find anything to specifically say any of the issues with this episode were related to the writer's strike. But anytime you have to shut down production, that's obviously not good. Um, there was also an original draft of uh, We'll Always Have Paris, um, which I think was more heavily, uh, more heavily kind of working the romance angle. And maybe even they kind of hooked up again. Or or something mm. to to that effect. So I I feel like some of this stuff that's them just being adults about it, um, is the draft that we got, but there were probably several other drafts that had them more more involved. Um so maybe there's an implied I, I think maybe the the name of the episode will always have Paris probably was a reference to Casablanca might have even in- involved some infidelity and maybe a little bit of scandal, but it's hard to tell whether it was supposed to have happened in Paris or maybe it was originally supposed to have happened in the story. You know, he's almost dead, so let's hook up, you know, and in a moment of, oh God, we shouldn't have done that. You know, would have been more dramatic, anyway.
2: Do you think that injures his character to think that he might have had an affair
1: with a uh, with a married woman? Pre- I, well, that might have been the argument, have, right, if, if yeah. you're thinking about the argument for a rewrite um, that they wanted Picard to stay a character who wouldn't have even done that or wouldn't have even been in a situation where he might've done that in the past.
0: I think so. Apparently um, I'm reading here a little bit more. Some of the writers wanted to create a uh, quote unquote romantic mood with the insistence that Picard do the wild thing uh, discreetly during a commercial break uh, sometime over the course of the episode. The idea was shot down by a number of people involved in the production, um, most notably Patrick Stewart. Um, mm. So yeah, I think I think it would have because I don't think the Picard that we eventually come to know would do that. So much so that there are episodes later where he has romantic involvements, um, one from his own past that he bungles horribly because he immediately kind of like does it and then regrets it because he's such a quote unquote gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, I think I think it would have been weird for sure, uh, and probably a little damaging.
2: I don't know. I just feel like if he doesn't know uh, that she married this guy, and then she shows up, and he's like, "Oh, it's her," you know, that's one thing. But the fact that he knew exactly who she was based on his last name—I mean. Fifteen years have passed, and communication is pretty free-flowing throughout the Federation. So,
1: I don't know how you know, free-flowing. Probably flowing, saw it on though. Facebook or something. You no, know, but they, they have painted a picture of information as free-flowing at this point, at least at this point.
0: Yeah, it's it's difficult to to know. I think there. I'm also seeing here some notes that um, <clears throat> there was uh, there were some complaints during the the production that there was a lack of chemistry between the actress uh, who played Janice and Patrick Stewart. Um, also, consequently, Michelle Phillips is her name. Um, <laughs> weird fun fact: she was part of the 1960s group, the Mamas and the Papas. Um, how about that? Huh. And also a fan of Star Trek. But um, she apparently—pretty awesome. She apparently blamed the uh, c- the conflicted nature of the character in that she was committed to her husband, but also wanted to see Picard once more. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of this is is the way the episode was handled. Um, it seems like there should have been more conflict there there wasn't seems like there should have been more to this anomaly there wasn't seems like there should have been more stakes there really weren't um Mm -hmm. and in an uncharacteristic move unless we have a ton more to talk to i want to talk about best and worst and i kind of want to go first uh if that's okay
1: um well that's going to be my worst then (laughs)
0: fair enough and my worst will be um paul you are about to start talking about that scene with uh counselor troy and crusher and those like two and a half or three minutes nearly had me shut the thing off um i was like I i was like you have got to be freaking kidding me right now um because this whole thing between um between captain picard and dr crusher has been handled so awkwardly and so strangely throughout the course of season one. Um, This whole, like, are they involved? Will they be involved? Is there tension there? I don't know. And, like, talk about an overreach and talk about something that's inappropriate for a ship's counselor to do. Deanna Troy coming in there and being like, "Did you see the way he looked at her? Oh my god!" <laughs> and, and I'm like, Ugh. "I got, I got very upset at that scene because it's, it's just, it's so wrong for both of those characters to just be so annoying about a relationship that doesn't exist and to be so. I mean, it, it felt." I think I've used this reference a couple of times but it felt like, you know, Bayside High. It felt like watching, you know, Saved by the Bell or something where it's like, do you think he likes her? And and does he like
1: like like her?
0: <laughs> exactly. Thankfully, Doctor Crusher has the professionalism to shoot it down. But the, of the two people in the room, to have the emotional wherewithal and the professionalism to not go there, it should have been the person who brought up the the conversation to begin with. She's this. She's a psychologist and the ship's counselor, for God's sake. And she's like, man, did you see the way he looked at her? Because wow, Plus,
2: she doesn't have to infer based on looks. She can feel it.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She should have been able to just lay it out there. But it's yeah. just, it's, it, it's the scene that the most, um, and, and it's a close second, you know, the whole history of Janice Mannheim, but it's, it's the scene that the most, I think, underscored the fact that there's a bunch of guys riding in the eighties for women. And it's just, it's so awkward. It sticks out like a sore thumb for me anyway. Uh, that was my worst. My best was, uh, the scene in the turbo lift. Um, if you guys remember that where they're on their way to the bridge and then the turbo lift stops, the doors open, and they run into themselves. And oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. do that cool thing where they're they literally do a forced perspective flip, and move them backwards on their own timeline, but they're still aware of it, and they have a conversation about who they were. Weren't we just over there? Now we're here. We're both us. Like that kind of it was fun. It was playful. It did a nice job of like selling. Oh, this anomaly is kind of doing some weird stuff. Yeah. Um, it, there just wasn't enough of it, I didn't think.
1: Yeah,
2: I wish yeah. it was more of that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, that was so cool.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, as our guest, uh, Dean, if you would like to go next, uh, what was your or best, you what was your it. worst,
2: in any order? All right. Uh, let's go with my uh, my best, uh, which is actually the ending where Data, uh, like, drops the antimatter into the breach, nice. into the time breach. Uh-huh because we get the we get the 3 datas um, yep. and and for for it being you know sort of uh, quintessential 1980s science fiction like we have like the animated you know sort of weird lines that represent uh, the time anomaly going on right. um, it was a really cool use of practical effects to get 3 datas in a room Mm-hmm. And uh, and the fact that the fact that he was he was essentially struggling against like an element almost, um, uh, if you think of time as an element like you would wind and fire, um, like he was struggling against that. It's him against nature, and it was very cool. I, I just I think that if they had done more of that, just as you said uh, with with your scene that you really liked, uh, I think they would have uh, they would have had a really successful episode. Yeah, because uh, I really enjoyed that part of it. If you watch just that scene, uh, you go, "Wow, this this was a really great episode." I wish, I wish I could see more of
1: it. Yeah, uh, let me tell and you're you, you're
2: just let down. Yeah, uh, let me tell you, the whole I, I,
1: I bet that's what they're going to pull for the preview. Let me tell you. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. No doubt,
2: <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, fun I will point say, of uh... Uh, nitpick about about that particular scene, though, is he says uh, he says it has to be the right one of us. And which one is it? And just the middle one out of nowhere? Oh, it's me! <laughs> and then they all yeah. three walk toward the thing. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not quite clear how the science works on that part. Uh, I guess you just pick one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> if
1: they're all points on the same timeline, like the clock would have been t- ticking differently for one of them. And it's like, well, you know, just listen to what you're hearing in your own timeline. Well, and Dean fun
0: point of uh, Star Trek trivia for you do you know the other problem with with that line that he says there the uh, the the observation that me it's me oh uh, no
1: he that used was the one that wasn't data
0: oh he used a contraction he used a contraction he literally he doesn't oh. say he doesn't say it is me he says it's me and
1: so it's definitely not him. <laughs> oh man the whole the
2: whole the whole next like 25 years of Star Trek is completely thrown out of (laughs) whack here because of this and he quickly read his
0: own biography when he realized he was in the wrong timeline and went can't use contractions got it (laughs) got it bum bum
2: bum (laughs) yep (laughs) that's awesome Uh, yeah so that was definitely my best scene uh worst Uh, um I don't know. It it's probably just the Troy thing at the beginning. It it really bothers me when they y- use her just for exposition. Uh, it just I don't know. It's it's a it's, it's a weak, weak tool yeah. and uh, and it breaks all the science fiction rules that they set up uh, uh, through explaining what her character is and what she can do and, and and like you said, what she provides to the to the crew. So. Um, so with respect to your uh, least favorite scene, Jason, uh, the my least favorite scene is her other one.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so she's uh, she's not batting real well in this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's funny. Paul, how about you uh, best and worst?
1: <laughs> yeah, my best is um, pretty in parallel to, to Dean. Um, I love that scene, the data scene, the, um, the end of it. Um, even though if you start to ask too many questions, it kind of falls apart. Right. You're right. it's just it's a beautiful scene. Um, it's perfect for data um, because he gets in that situation. And he's like, well, wh- whether or not he's right and whether or not he uses contraction or whatever, he's like, oh, well, it's this one where where you can imagine someone else without um you know as high of a will save getting a little <laughs> more freaked out about you know, seeing themselves all over the place. Um, yeah. but but throughout, Data's uh, pretty good there. Uh, I also have to say, this is the second time, um, and to to keep the D and D reference going, uh, his his favorite enemy must be lasers, because uh, we've seen it. This is uh, the second after Home Soil where he, is like, ooh, lasers! I could beat those. And then again here, he's like, ah, I could dodge lasers all day, and it's a little weird. <laughs> I don't know that he's going to see any more lasers, but uh, he's seen them up to this point. Um the- that's a
2: pretty sweet little scene too by the way. The yeah. the the dodging of the lasers and then coming back from around the corner. That's a really well-shot scene.
0: Well, and the uh a lot of this
2: show
1: was shot really well.
0: The part that I like the most is right after he handles the situation with the lasers like a boss. He stands up and they're like, "What's wrong? What's happening?" And he, and he just very coolly and collectedly as data always does says, Dr. Mannheim neglected to mention one of his countermeasures, sir. Yep. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and he's just, he's great throughout that scene. Um, there's also, um, I'm, I'm going to make another audio request to you, Burns. Uh, okay. Maybe, maybe for after the credits. This one isn't as good as the last time, but um, I also couldn't help but both times through when they're doing that final countdown, and, but, but it's repeating and it's like five, 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 four, 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 three, three, three. It is very close to the um, the open to safety dance by um, <laughs> the, and specifically the UK edit, um, but it's dance 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 dance. <laughs> so you can just put those next to each other. It, it, I could not help but start humming safety dance while data was saving the day at the end there. Which just makes that scene all all that much better. So. Bye. My worst um, is really just the the fact that there was there was there were good ideas here, um but they didn't decide which one was the a plot, so they both suffer yeah um yeah. they really could have made either of these the a plot and then let the other one down a little bit um, but they didn't. They tried to make two half episodes and they kind of phoned them both in and they forgot to put stakes on them. Um, and they had a cool temporal anomaly thing, and they forgot to make you care or think that anything was going to happen. And and they explicitly, at the end of the episode, are like, well, you could do the same thing again. Just, like, watch out this time, I guess. Like, I, I guess we'll tell the Federation, but they probably don't care. You're not going to hurt anybody. And it just really deflates any sort of Fear that they could have actually been doing something dangerous. Yeah, which is how how it should have felt.
2: Yeah, yeah. the I'll... more oh the ahead, more Dean. I think about it, the more it feels like they tried to rip off the plot of Ca- Casablanca, and I'm sure it was it would have been you know in homage, and they just took all the teeth out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's best and worst. Now I guess uh, we've 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 talked most of the big points. Up or down vote? Do we add this one to our essential list, or is this one uh, best passed by for people who are new uh, to the Star Trek universe? Um, Dean, what do you say?
2: I'm gonna vote it up. Whoa, bold choice for the for the reason that the the episodes that I'm recalling from season one the what makes this what makes this like this is the this is the 500 mark right this is this is the the midpoint um between between you know if a thousand is great and zero is terrible this is right in the midpoint so i i say that it, it 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 makes it because there are so many episodes in the first season that i think are skippable
0: fair point fair point paul
1: um, <laughs> boy,
0: I love this. By the way, this is great. These are the best ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was pretty confident that I was going to say skip because right, there's not much. There's right. We said it's not horribly offensive, but it's not really much of anything. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything there, it's that stuff. Uh-huh. And what I'm struggling is, do they ever, they go into Picard's backstory more later, better yeah. than this.
2: Yeah, yeah. They but... do They do a lot of backstory with him. Up or down?
1: <laughs> down. I down. gotta stick with my Ooh. gut. It's yeah. just. Ooh. It's a split. It's a I split. Don't... It's not, I don't think it's... it's worth it for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm really conflicted uh with this one. I came into this with a tentative recommend, and I'm leaving our discussion with a tentative uh pass um, Wow, we might uh, be
1: right at your the, your the analogy you used, Dean might be perfect that way it's right at that five hundred mark that
0: it is like it it's is.
1: not offensive enough to be an easy skip, but it's not good enough to be an easy watch,
0: yeah i i'm happy with where we left it uh if you're happy with where we left it let us know you can tweet at us you can find us on facebook you can leave us a comment on our site if you're unhappy sound off as well um but i i really enjoyed this discussion once again so uh dean thanks for for joining us for this very split uh episode
2: oh it's always such a pleasure to to be on the show and uh i can't wait to
1: come back
0: and uh until next time i'm jason
1: and i'm paul <laughs> now for some safety dance.
2: Why? Why? Safe 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 dance. safe dance. Dance. I say we can go where we want to a place where they will never find and we can act like we come from out of this world leave the real one far behind and we can dance